What up, Paul? So we've been uh, you you've been kicking around a bunch of ideas here lately, and one of them is to start a podcast. Um, so why don't you tell us what your podcast is going to be about, and, and what people can expect to hear and get out of it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you know, I've led a pretty crazy life as far as in and out of a bunch of different industries and met a lot of people and lived a lot of places and I'm like a cat with like nine lives and uh you know I got pockets of friends that have you know always always good time with all my people uh so pockets of friends that have crazy stories uh and being in real estate right now it's just even getting crazier being in jiu-jitsu there's a great some great stories MMA Key West and the bar scene uh being in the rave scene selling ice pops uh selling candy when I was 6 years old different things like that so I just feel like, you know what, it's time to let the world kind of hear some of these crazy stories that we got going on. Um, and also trying to inspire some people because of the success that I've had and where I've come from. It doesn't matter your circumstance, right? So a little bit more of the inspiration as well to people that are listening to understand that it doesn't matter where you're at, where you've been. Right. It's, it matters what you're doing right now, today in the present, that you can change your future and change your story. So that's kind of the, uh, the gist of what I want for this podcast. Man, that's awesome. I know one thing. I've known you since 2006 and you've been a hustler from the day I met you. you no matter what it is, you've kind of always been on the forefront of things. You've always kind of seen you've always had a good vision of of things to come you know what i mean because you know mm -hmm. back in the day <clears throat> back in the day when uh mma wasn't legal in florida and then they opened it up and started allowing mma professionally in florida you kind of got involved with that you know early on and uh you you kind of went from there and then you know you went from the pro mma when it opened up and then you kind of uh, realigned or re uh, saw the next trend, I guess you'd say, and you kind of saw the a amateur MMA. You were you and uh, um, you you were a big part of the original MMA, the amateur MMA in Florida, uh, as far yep. as like sanctioning and everything about that. Mm -hmm. You want to, yep. yep. you know, just not getting into a whole lot because we got to give people something to look forward to to listen to but you want to kind of talk about that like how you saw the trends and different things and kind of what kicked you into uh wanting to go into sanctioning and promoting and matchmaking and everything else yeah so when i was in key west we used to have this thing called bubba boxing and uh what that was is in key west there uh the natives to key west are called bubba's and so they had this boxing competition with this, like, a, it's almost like a tough man competition. And so when I was in Key West and I owned a bar, I saw it and I was a rave promoter prior to, and that's a whole nother story, right? And so, <laughs> so I saw this event and I was like, man, we can really turn this into something because they were mainly fighting each other, the Bubba's. So I had I was working at a bar called the Lazy Gecko, and I had a ton, and I owned a bar called Jerky's, and I had a ton of the service industry people that would come out to see some of these bartenders fight in this thing. So 
Um, I got on that, and then we turned it out from a 200-person event to four or five events after we were having about 1,000 people, 1,200 people coming to these events. Well, what ended up happening was I wasn't a Bubba. It was a Bubba thing, and they pretty much were like, hey, we're going to do this ourselves. Uh, kind of tried to take the reins from me, but what they didn't know is I make things look very, very easy. But at the end of the day, there's a formula to this, right? It's it's about critical thinking and how you can get how, how you can get past the problem. And I make it look like it's super simple. So when I got uh, when I got pretty much removed from the scenario, I said, well, you know what? I'm going to try to do this mixed martial arts thing. That's what I'm going to try to do. And so uh, so I got I called the state. Uh, it wasn't legal at the time. For about six months, we were going back and forth while they were making it legal. And, uh, of course, I had a felony in my past, which is a whole other story. So it took some time for me to actually get that license. But when I did, I was the first show in the state of Florida, and we did it in Key West. You know, and, um, a, and, and a lot of not, – not a lot of people know that. Everybody – uh, there's there's a lot of OGs, you know. I've been in MMA for since '98. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of guys here in Central Florida that kind of boast they've been in MMA a long time. But there's there's not a lot of people that actually know that that you were the first pro show in Florida. Yes, now pro legal show. Legal, yeah, <laughs> so they were yeah. they were doing it before. Like Ross Tellen's an OG. He was doing them with Jamie Levine. I mean, before there was any sanctioning, it was crazy. Oh, I know. I, mean, I, there fought, was a, I fought there on was, some of those yeah, shows. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, you know, there was a group of people that didn't want it regulated, and then there was a group of people that did want it regulated. And it was kind of crazy because when I came into it, um, I was living in Key West, so I didn't really know anybody. And I hadn't even done really mixed martial arts. I I, I was rolling on the ground with uh, – with a few guys in a garden in Key West watching UFC fights. And I was just one day like, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, and there's a guy named Ben Glossop, who's an OG as well. Uh, and he actually uh, helped me with being a matchmaker. And so at that time, it was, uh, I had Luigi Fiorvanti fight for me. I had Cole Miller put his first fight in the debut. Well, I, I know the list of, of UFC fighters that have that you've kind of helped out early on is is long, you know. Yeah. So uh, yep. we, we can get into some stories because I know you and I've got some really good stories in MMA. We'll, <laughs> yeah. We can uh, and and one of those stories hit the news again. I don't know if you saw it, but um, yeah, I did yeah. again. The madness, you know, but so when I, when I did that MMA thing and I just saw it coming, um, it was just something different, you know, and I knew that nobody was doing it. And at the time I really honestly didn't even know that those, those other, uh, those other fights existed, the ones that you were fighting on. Um, and so I knew of one, the AFC, which was run by a guy named Carlos and Dan Lambert with American Top Team, who became great friends of mine. Um, and so I was just the outsider. But the thing is that, right, I was definitely the outsider in the beginning. I was definitely the runt, the kid that comes in. What's he doing? You know, nobody was making it easy for me at all. But yeah. what they didn't realize was I was, I'm just tenacious. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna stop. So I lost my butt on the first three fights. I mean, I, I, 
I lost, I had $36,000 and I got all the way down to like $8,000, I think, before I realized like, oh man, this is horrible. And then I just started a, a guy named Jeff Santella offered me a job to be a matchmaker. And I think he paid me like 300 bucks or something like that to matchmake in Fort, Fort Myers. And then that's when I started my matchmaking career. And then I became just a matchmaker and helped put the shows together. And then that led into um, me having that experience and doing that for 10 years before the amateur MMA came around. And when amateur MMA came around, I was one of the first sanctioning bodies in the state of Florida uh, with the ISKA and uh, developed what we have now as our amateur um, amateur sanctioning bodies in Florida, which allows all the amateurs to actually fight now. Um, so there was a, definitely a progression to this whole thing in the state and it being new, you know, from human cockfighting is what it was called to now. The most popular sport in the world, yeah. pretty much. You know, I mean, like, and these guys back in the day yeah. were making 200 bucks to fight. <laughs> 200 bucks. Yeah. Now you got, you know, these guys are making millions of dollars. Yeah. Yep, and your fingerprints, you know, there's uh, that that the whole six degrees of separation. I mean, it, it's we'll, we'll play that game one day on on, on the podcast um, because it, it really is crazy, especially going from uh, M1 Strike Force and everyone else, Tachi fights and everything else that you. Yeah, Bellator. Yeah, I just talked to Stan Kaplan from Bellator. He wrote on my he wrote on my LinkedIn like he said uh. He compares me to uh, to Mr. Wolf because you know I even in I saved uh, WEC I saved the Uriah Faber and um, Mike Brown fight at one point in time and that was that was there was some backstory to that that was going down that the, the commission was calling me on because I was very I understood what the commission wanted right and what they needed and what they were looking for and I just kind of was the liaison between what the commission wanted and needed so that they felt like they weren't being bullied around by the promotion. Yeah. And then, you know, was was making sure that they understood that the promotion was, was all good and needed what needed what they needed. Like in Bellator, having a black belt fight somebody that had, a, you know, I, I'm not sure who it was, but he only had like two fights and they were going to fight him against the veteran. But of course, the black belt was like a world-class black belt and won. But the, the, the state didn't want to sanction that fight because they're looking at it like okay this guy's got three fights but this other guy's got 30 there's no way that can be fair yeah so that's where i gained the reputation being the and then and then from there you you kind of uh transitioned yourself into uh, a jiu-jitsu world champion mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah that too yeah that's uh that's not <laughs> that a, a, a small feat in itself. I mean, you've won multiple Pan Ams, multiple IBJJF Opens, Worlds. Um, so, you know, the whole the whole discipline, the training, while still hustling, because I, I don't know that you've had a 9-to-5 job since I've, I've known you. You've always been uh, an entrepreneur, independent, you know. Not saying you haven't had to take some side jobs. You know, we've all been ups and had ups and downs, but uh, you know, you, yeah. you've you've uh, you've made it on your own. You know, so yeah, uh, I don't think I've I've never had yeah I've never had a nine to five job as far as like a, I mean, but maybe one my first shop Burger King, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, 
I called it quits. Couldn't do it. You know, there's no, there's no excitement. And then since then, it's always been entrepreneur. I mean, I was an entrepreneur since I was in sixth grade with my boy Ryan Mazzarone, who we're going to have to get on this podcast to verify some of the madness. But I was uh, selling candy. And that was the first time that I realized the uh, supply and demand change. <laughs> you know, I was like, totally got, got glow pops for 10 cents. And then, and now and later is for like, you know, five cents. And then just turned around and sold them in school for 25 cents. And that's what kind of sparked the whole entrepreneurial spirit of, okay, well, what am I willing to do to get what other people want? What are, what, what are people not willing to do or not wanting to do, but wanting to have and then be the person that goes out and does it, gets it, and then turns around and says, all right, well, if you want it, it's easy. It's right here. It's going to be a little bit more. Yep. And then you transformed yourself again, and now you're in the real estate, and you're, uh, you're killing it there. You know, so uh, how real, you know, real quick, how, how did you get involved with real estate? All right. So real estate was, uh, it all leads back to jujitsu and, and mixed martial arts and MMA, actually, to tell you the truth. So there's a guy that was in our school that just was buying a house and a real estate agent sold him more house than he could afford. And when I approached the agent about it, uh, this guy just kind of gave me this answer like, you know what, he's an adult. He, he, he can do what he wants to do. He's a man. And I'm going, well, yeah, but you sold him what he qualified for. But that's not necessarily what he can afford. So now he's house poor. He can't train jujitsu because he needs $100 to pay in his mortgage. And and he's miserable. He's locked in his house. He can't go out. Like, how do you even think that that's right? Well, his reply was, well, he said he was going to get promoted. But he wasn't yet promoted, right? And he didn't get promoted. He failed whatever the test is or the course was in order to get promoted in the military. So that put him, that made him strapped, right? So that kind of got me going like, well, man, like you were showing him if, if, if you qualify for 180, if you can afford $185,000, you should be looking at houses that are 165. So that when you get to the 185, you, you're, you're riding, you're like, oh, this is nice. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is great. But if you go and see a, 220, a house for 225, of course, the 185 is going to look not so appealing. And that's kind of what happened, and it really got me upset. So I decided, you know what? Forget this. This is easy. Um, it's all about crisis management, right, and doing contracts. Huh. Well, sounds a lot like mixed martial arts and matchmaking. You know, exactly. like one, one, contract, one contract is not even as difficult as one fight on a card of 15 fights, right? So you get the fighters to agree to fight. Then you pick the weight, then you get the contract, then you get their travel, then you get their hotel, then you get their medicals, then you get their license, then you get their um, their coach, you get him licensed, then you got the venue, then you put the cage together. So all of that for one show. And I realized I, I could do one contract, which is the residential contract, the seller's disclosure, the uh, lead-based paint addendum, 
the net sheet and that's it and get paid twice as much as doing an MMA show. I'm like, what is going on here? So that's how I was able to then understand. Um, I was able to uh, take more on than normal people would because they didn't have this. They weren't running this huge, elaborate event. You know, you know about it. If anybody's oh, yeah. ever thrown an MMA event, you know, you look at it and you go like, oh, everybody's fighting. Like, but you have no idea the insanity that's going on when your main event falls out or a fighter changes. It just creates a complete chaos. Everything that you've done and it gets scrubbed and then you've got to redo it again. And we're talking hours before the weigh-ins and getting it done. So I was really good at that. So then leading into the, uh, leading into the, real estate world, I'm just able to handle things, um, a, a lot of crises, I guess you could say, uh, which actually is really good to, to do in real estate. Well, not just that, but you're also changing people's lives. I know that's one of your big, right. that's one of your big things that I see on your advertisements is, you know, you're, you're not, you know, end of the day, you're getting paid to do this, but you're you're changing people's lives, just like the story you told, which introduced you into real estate. You're you're looking out for your buyers and your sellers for your for your oh. clients. Yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm looking out for everybody, and that's that's the biggest thing. You know, and when doing MMA, I, I stayed in it. I'm still in it, right? And it's to make sure that the promoters don't take advantage of fighters because money is the root of everything, right? To people, people are asking like. How much can I get? That's what they ask, right? When they're doing these events and, and it gets stressful and you put a lot of money down on the line and you kind of need somebody that's there that's kind of the the superhero, if you will, to say, you know what, well, money doesn't matter. Let's just get it done. And that, when, it, when we get it done, the byproduct is you're going to get paid because you're really good at what you're doing, right? So that's that's my biggest thing is I don't even, I don't even care about how much the house is or what the contract is or who you are or what you need. I'm all about changing lives and just getting it done. Hey, uh, hey right now I'm on, I'm on my truck at the dump. If you heard it from uh, clearing out an old lady's backyard, we cleared out the trees. We, uh, we, I'm headed to pick up some mulch to mulch her yard so that she can get the extra $5,000 rather than putting the house on the market the way it is, we pressure washed it and just saying, well, you know what? You, your yard is messy. So if you can't afford to pay somebody, we'll just take $5,000 off the price. Like, no, not, not at all. You pay me 6%. I'm, I'm taking care of it. There's no extra fees in there. I'm not going to charge you. If I am able and willing, I will do that because it changes. It's going to change. $5,000 will change this lady's life. Like she, she's retired. She doesn't have a job. Like I'm not going to use that as leverage to lower the price of the home. Just to make a sale. Just to make a sale happen. Yeah. It's just it's not going to happen. It's just, I can't even, that would just be like matching a bad fight. Yeah. Just to get a and, fight on and the card. Just to get a fight on the card. You know me. I don't think I've, I've ever matched a bad fight. Like no. it just doesn't happen. Unless somebody's like begging me to fight and then it's hard to get their ass kicked. Right? And it's well, kind of like, well, you signed up for this. <laughs> well, and, and I know, I, I know over the years, um, not everybody agrees. People, you know, no, nobody gets along all the time. I mean, you and I are, are a prime example of that. 
you know, we've loved each other, we've hated each other over the years. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the one thing that all the haters out there, because they've they've been, you've had them from the bar scene, uh, from MMA, and now from real estate. Um, that they a lot of people don't know about you is the fact that you you are self promoting yourself because you're an entrepreneur. You you've got to put yourself out there to make money. But not just that, but what they don't see behind the scenes is your hustle, is your grind, but not just that, your loyalty to your friends and family. Because when you come up, you always pull people up with you. You know what I mean? So you've always, uh, and, and that's what people don't see, and that's what people don't know about you. And that's what hopefully that this podcast can get out is the fact that, you know, the loyalty, the hustle you know, how you're changing people's lives, how you've helped people, and then tell some really cool stories along the way. Yeah, yeah, you know, loyalty is my biggest asset. You know, you you say, like, um, your gift and your curse, but truly, like, it's I've, I've changed my mind to realize that it's just a gift. It's just a gift. Because, number one, right, things happen for a reason. Whether you believe in God, the universe, you got to believe in something, right? So everything happens for a reason. And my life is the prime example. It was not perfect. There were easily times, shoot, with you and me, there were easily times where we were in a situation where we could have just been like, forget this. No way. We're not, I'm not doing it anymore. Hands up, walk away. And we would have been better off, but we never did. We always took the extra step regardless, not even worried about what the outcome is because we knew it was going to help other people, right? And so my loyalty goes to where it's like, sometimes I get burned and I would I would be mad. I would get so mad. But now I realize there's, there's two types of people in this world, right? There's the ones you attract and the ones you repel. And they're both going to be in your life, and they both have a purpose. So I stay loyal to my motto, which is be kind, remain savage, change lives, no matter what. Because that will either attract you or repel you. And if it repels you, even better. Because you know what? It exposes you. It gets you out of the way so that the people that love me have more room to surround me. Because there are people that repel, are repelled by you that are around you right now that ain't saying nothing. They don't say nothing. They, 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 they uh, whisper, right? So I scream what I feel, what I am, who I am. You know, I, I make declarations, and I say it loud, and I say it so much that it annoys people. But the people that it doesn't annoy love me fiercely and they surround me. So I do it to actually get that repelling, that, that repulsive, I guess you could say, feeling in people so that I could say, okay, you, you're out the way. You're a hater. Bye, bye, move. Everybody move. Right? So it's like you're never going to make everybody happy and you're never going to have a, a, a balance. There's always going to be a perfect imbalance. But if you always just remember to stay true and loyal, then you will you will attract the right people and you will repel the right people and then your life will just be so much clearer 
Like, I mean, I, I, we, we've had our differences and I've held grudges from that. And, and I've missed out on years of like what we do together. Like we create together. You know, you're another, you're another person that's in my life that has drew, that has that drive that I've seen struggle and oh, never yeah. quit and, and do the side hustle with me to try to make ends meet. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, we were, we were either eating sushi or eating pancakes. <laughs> it was like, it was, one or the other. It, it was, <laughs> it was either we were eating sushi boats or counting change to go get tacos. That's right. Yeah, for real. And we always had that hustle, but we never gave up. We never cried about our circumstances. We never put our our hands, our head in our, our hands. And why me? Why me? We, no. we just got after it. And then we freaking went to the gym and we, we got after that when we were poor. Probably trained a lot more when we were poor than when we were actually up on the hog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. And, uh, I think that's a good, this is a good spot for us to uh, kind of wrap up this introduction podcast. Um, that's a, that's a taste of what to look forward to in the podcast. Some old OG MMA stories, some fun stuff from uh, fighting and jujitsu, and then uh, some real estate. And not just that, it's not about a podcast about us telling stories about us. You know what I mean? It's about how the lessons you've learned in life and we've learned in life can help other people change their lives. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's all about changing your story, right? So hopefully when uh, people, are, uh, when you guys are listening to this podcast, you know, uh, you'll message me, you'll go to my Facebook, The Dominich Group, uh, find me on Instagram at Paul Dominich, and, uh, you know, leave some inspiring words. If anything that I say, like, touches you, please reach out. And then I can help elaborate on different things because I've been down that road, man. There's, there's nothing that somebody can tell me that is a struggle that I haven't either been involved in, been seen, heard. I mean, they threw me, they threw away the key. They gave me a three to life sentence when I was young, 21 years old. And at that point in time, they were telling me, no, you can't have this. No, you can't have that license to try to get ahead. And I broke through those barriers because I just stayed the course and persistent and would never let somebody tell me no. No, if you're telling me no, that means next. You're just not the right person that I need to talk to. Mm-hmm. And I will keep on knocking until you let me in. And it worked. And there's strategies to that as well. So I hope to give you some gems and some jewels to get your mind right. Talk about inspiring you. Talk about your, the proximity. Talk about leadership talk about execution and talking about changing your story because at the end of the day, it's really simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Thanks for listening to the It's Paulie's podcast. Always remember to be kind, remain savage and change lives.